Uh, last week we listened to Peter as he continued to write his last words to the church. Peter made his, his readers aware that there were false prophets in the time of the prophets and then quickly transitioned to the day that, we, that they lived by telling them that there were false teachers now in that day. We learned that Satan inserted false prophets and false teachers for, for the very same reason, to diminish the validity of them both and to cause those who were seeking the truth to continue to walk in darkness because they didn't know who to believe. We came to also understand how Satan inserted these people into the body of believers secretly. These false teachers were coming into the church and they were involved in the church and they got there secretly. These false teachers would initially agree with what the body of believers agreed with and then slowly and subtly cause division. We learned that we as believers should constantly be on the lookout for those who are inserted. And the best way to do this is by knowing what the Word of God says when divisions arise. Tonight, we're going to continue to listen to the last words of Peter. So let's pick up in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It says, uh, and let me find my stopping place. There we go. It says, for if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but threw them down into Tartarus and delivered them to be kept in chains of darkness until judgment, and if he didn't spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others when he brought the flood on the world of the, ungod world of the ungodly. And he <clears throat> reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemned them to ruin, making them an example to those who were, uh, who were going uh, to be ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, distressed by the unrestrained behavior of the immoral. For as he lived among them, that righteous man tormented himself day by day with the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from the trials from, uh, and to keep the, the unrighteous under, uh, under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you'd help us this, this evening to, to open our eyes and to see exactly what we need to see, Lord, to, to understand what, exactly what was taking place in that day and to help us to, to be better Christians in the day that we live in, Lord. Understanding that this word was not just written for that day, it was, it was immortalized in your word that we might have it as instruction. So tonight, Lord, we, we, we pray that you would help us to, to see what we need to see, to be better servants for you. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, amen. It's gone. Okay. So I can't walk. I'm going to have to be confined to the pulpit. Okay. I'll do my best. Huh? No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. Mike, he's telling me he'll follow me with a mic. Y'all understand this. I, I, I. I have to walk. I, it's just kind of a nervous thing. I, I don't know, but I mean, when God when I God gets a hold of me, I have to walk. I just y'all know. So I'm at this funeral two weeks ago in Simpsonville, South Carolina. <clears throat> There's no pulpit mic, no clip mic. He hands me a mic. 
So I'm, I'm having to do a, a funeral service with my Bible, my notes, and a mic. I can't do that. I don't know how you sing and play the piano. I don't, I just, I don't know how people do that. I, just, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'll try, Reagan. I'll try, okay? I'll try. All right, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we finished our scripture with the understanding that those who do evil might look like they have gotten away with what they've gotten away with and, and, and nothing's going to happen to them, but their day was most definitely coming sooner than they could even imagine. Tonight, Peter is, is going to qualify that coming destruction, not with his opinion. I just about went, y'all. Did y'all see me? Not with his opinion, but with Old Testament Scripture. Now, Scripture says, and listen, Amy's grandfather used to beat it into us. You cannot sin and get by. You can't sin and get by. You may get, get by with it today, tomorrow, the next day, but sooner or later, your sin will Find you out. That's exactly right. He used to preach that and, and stand at the edge of the pulpit and point at every single one of us. And sometimes he was pointing at me because I was dating his granddaughter. <clears throat> but, you know, oh well. So tonight, he's not giving us our, his opinion. He is qualifying it with Old Testament Scripture. So what does our Scripture tell us this evening? He gives us illustrations. The first illustration Peter gives is the rebellion that took place in heaven when Satan, Satan. Now, when we, when we hear that word, Brother Frank, Satan, we're just like, but I want you to understand something. Before the rebellion took place in heaven, Satan was the most beautiful angel that God ever created. He was purdy. He, he was a beautiful angel. Not only that, guess what else he was? He was the choir director. The, the choir director, Bill. You might want to scoot away a little bit. A beautiful angel and the choir director. And he's the one who caused all this ruckus in heaven. He convinced, listen, he convinced Mr. Holman, angels. He convinced angels in heaven that he could rule over them in a better way than God. Can, let me ask you a question here. Colin, how does that happen? Think, think about that. How, how does that happen? You're, you're in heaven. We're talking about the Lord God Almighty. And the choir director convinces a certain amount of angels that he could rule over them better than God. And they believed it. When y'all read this, I mean, Kim Tomlin, does, it, does this just not just baffle you? How in the world, how in the world does this happen? Now understand what it is that Peter is saying here. Now you might think you've gotten away with something uh, or something that you're doing, but your day is coming. You might think that God would give what he created, and he created Satan. He created this choir director. He, you would think that, that maybe he would give what he created, something that had never experienced the corruption of the earth. You would think maybe that he would give them a chance. Right? Right, Miss Sue? I believe he probably did. And thinking of how God has given us grace after grace after grace, you have to think he gave those angels a chance and they would have none of it. Their true evil was exposed and dealt with. Now, I've got to stop and tell you all a little secret here. Go back and read this scripture. Brother, you tell us that all the time and I don't do it, but you might want to do this tonight. Okay, look, look, look again with me in uh, verse 4. 
And if God did not spare the angels who sinned, who sinned but threw them down into Tartus, Tartus and delivered them and kept them in chains of darkness until judgment, and if he didn't spare the ancient world. Now let, let's just deal with those angels here for a second. So this is what happened. Satan causes an uproar. He, he gets a certain amount of angels to come with him, trying to overthrow God in heaven, right? Y'all with me? They do not succeed, and they're thrown down into chains into a place of, of temporary waiting. This is, this is not purgatory, you hear me? But it's a, a place of separation, Tartarus, right? They're bound until the day of judgment. Has the day of judgment come yet? No. So these angels are bound in chains still to this day, right? Well, who in the world is causing all the problem here on this earth? The, 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 the demonic spirits that are here on this earth. What, what, what's taking place here? When I got to this scripture and I started studying it in times past, I had to call one of my college professors. I said, what's going on here? And he says, let me, let me look into it and I'll get back to you. He said, I can't give you a conclusive answer. He says, you're going to have to ask God about that. So go back and do some studying and see what you come up with, okay? Y'all with me? Miss Desi, she's going to ah, got, do I have your wheels turning? <laughs> so the, the first illustration Peter gives took place in heaven. The next one's on earth. <clears throat> Peter's next illustration is in the times of Noah. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. And I keep wanting to go to chapter 3, and we're not there yet. Verse 5 says, and he didn't spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others who were Noah's family, as we know, when he brought the flood on the world of the ungodly. Now, what's he mean there? People throughout the ages have scoffed at God with this very scripture saying, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to put my faith and trust in a God that will destroy the world. His very creation. Why would anybody want to serve such an unloving God? Have y'all ever heard people say that before when you're, you're talking to them? Why in the world? College students, I mean, that, it, this is a very popular argument. Why would I want to serve and put my faith in such an unloving and destructive God? Now, please understand me here and understand me well. God gave those people of Noah's days a hundred plus years to repent and worship him, but they refused and took pleasure in living in their sin. Understand, church, they brought the destruction of God upon themselves. They, they did. They deserved it, and it almost is like they, they asked for the destruction because they knew it was coming. Now, verse 6 gives us, the next illustration that Peter uses this evening. Verse 6 says, uh, let me find it, verse 6. It says, and if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to ruin, making them an example to those who were going to, to be ungodly. Now, he goes back to Old Testament again. We have to ask our, ourselves a question here. And I'm sure that y'all throughout your time as being Christians, have asked the very question that I'm getting ready to ask you tonight. Just how bad 
was what Peter is talking about here tonight. How bad was it? How bad was it? How bad were the people in Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at Genesis 19. Genesis 19. <clears throat> I just about went again. <clears throat> Genesis 19, chapter, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. How bad was Sodom and Gomorrah? The two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting at Sodom, Sodom, Sodom's gate, which is very co co common in that day. Why did they sit at the gates? What, what did the, the Jewish people do at the gates? They, they presented business. They, they did business at the gates. And what else did they do in the evening at the gates? Huh? Well, they, that, that didn't have a time frame. I mean, they, they would do that from time to time. But what, what were they waiting for at the gates? According to Jewish tradition, what would they do when visitors came? That way they, they would welcome and, and bring them into their house, right? So it says, two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting at Sodom's gate. When Lot saw them, he got up and met them. He bowed down with his face to the ground and said, My lords, turn aside to your servant's house, wash your feet, and spend the night. Then you can get up early and go on your way. No, they said, <clears throat> we'd rather spend the night in the square. But he urged them so strongly that they followed him and went into his house. He prepared a feast and baked unleavened bread for them, and they ate. Before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom, both young and old, the whole population surrounded the house. They called out to Lot and said, where are the men who came to you tonight? Send them out to us so that we can have sex with them. So Lot went to them and to the entrance and shut the door behind him. He said, don't do this evil, my brothers. Look, I've got two daughters who, have, who, have, who haven't had sexual relations with a man. I'll bring them out to you and you can do whatever you want to them. However, do not do anything to these men because they have come under the protection of my roof. Now, I don't know what y'all are thinking, but what I'm thinking is, I mean, aren't your daughters under your protection? I mean, this is how evil what's taking place is. He says, they said, these men says, get out of the way, they said, adding, this one came here as a foreigner, talking about Lot. But he is acting like a judge. Now, we'll do more harm to you than to them. They, they, they put pressure on Lot and came out to break down the door. But the angels reached out, brought Lot into the house with them, and shut the door. They, sh they, they struck the men who were outside the door of the house, both young and old, with a blinding light, so that they were unable to find the door. Now, I, I can read on, and it just, it just gets worse. Church, just how bad was it in that time? Now, why, why is this illustration that Peter gives so important to us to understand? I mean, Peter's saying it. We can't dispute it. It's supported with Old Testament Scripture. But now I have to ask you, why is it so important? Well, put your finger there and hold your page and go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. <clears throat> 
verse 28. Now, in my Bible, it's red. Luke 17, 28. What does that mean when it's red? Yeah, that's exactly. Jesus said it. It says it will be in the it will be the same as the uh, it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on that day, Lot left Sodom. Fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day of the Son of Man is revealed. How close are we? Hey, hey, Brittany, how, how close are we? Y'all, y'all heard what I read, right? It was shocking, was it not? Miss Barbara, how close are we? How close are we living in the day that we're living in? How, how close are we? How much worse are things going to get on earth today before the days we'll get to the days that were like Sodom? How much deeper will we find ourselves in toxic sin before Jesus comes for us? I can't answer that question because I'm going to be honest with you, church. Every time that I, I, I listen or I hear something new that's going on, and I, I'm sure I don't know half of what's going on right now because I hadn't watched news since May of 2020. I just, I refuse to. Only thing I see is little blurb, blurbs on social media. I don't have a clue what's going on. And I like it that way to a certain degree. But how bad is it going to get? Even the little things that I see, I'll think, man, I, it, it can't get, it's, it's not going to get any worse than that. That's the worst that it can get. Next day, you'll see something else. I mean, it's hysterical, and people are buying into it. People are supporting it. People are endorsing it. People are, listen, people are worshiping it. How much worse is it going to get? Peter leaves Sodom and Gomorrah, and then he moves from giving illustrations to those who, who will be removed from their, own, for their own, from their own destruction to those who will be res, uh, rescued from destruction in verses 7 and 8. Look at, uh, look at verse 7 of chapter 2. Verse 7 says this, And if he rescued righteous Lot, distressed by the unrestrained behavior of the immoral, for as he lived among them, that righteous man tormented himself day and night, uh, day by day, by the lawless deeds that he saw and he heard. Did y'all just read Genesis chapter 18 with me? Do you think it's kind of odd that Lot who chose the land that he was living in from Abraham and the very land that he was living, Lot was, the, he was very aware of what those men wanted that night the angels came to his house. He even offered his virgin daughters to them. Did y'all get that? Did you see what Peter said? Now Peter is calling Lot righteous, not once but twice. Could it be that sometime in his walk with the Lord, he tried to convince his wife to leave, but she would not? See, we're going to put it on the wife, Miss Desi. It's all her fault. The point here is that Lot was living in a very wicked place. And there was enough righteousness in him that he was rescued from the wrath of God. 
He offered his daughters. Corey, could you imagine somebody coming and knocking on your door tonight and saying, look, just leave my wife alone. Here, take, take my daughters. Deborah, you don't like that, do you? It, that just made you mad, didn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but now he's, he's, he's got enough righteousness in him that, that he was rescued from the wrath of God. He was warned and given a chance to leave prior to the destruction, and he left willingly. What do we need to see here? How much is enough righteousness? I don't want to play that game. That sounds like a game of Russian roulette to me. I don't want to just skirt in by the skin of my teeth. I don't want to just, you know, barely make it under the bar. And it sounds like this is what happened with Lot. I don't see anything in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis that makes him to be called righteous in the book of 2 Peter. I don't. But God thought there was enough righteousness in him. Is there enough in us? Is there enough righteousness in us today? How many times have you heard people speak of calling out to the Lord and don't feel like their prayers are heard. Have y'all ever heard somebody say that? I've called out, I just don't feel like God hears my prayers. Now, first remember what we heard in the book of Genesis tonight. That the Lord had heard the pleas of those who had, had seen the sufferings and even experienced them. He saw and he heard. God saw and he heard. God gave the people a chance to turn to him, and when they would not, his wrath and judgment came. Church, God hears our pleas and our prayers. He does. He does. Is he on our time frame? Absolutely not. Does that bother us sometimes? Yes. Do we lose faith sometimes because he doesn't work on our timetable? Yes. But understand, God hears our pleas and our prayers, every single one of them. In His time, all wrongs will be made right. That you can count on with all certainty. Peter now turns his message back to those who he's writing to. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep them from unrighteous and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. What do we see from, from these last two verses? Number one, God knows how to rescue the righteous from trials. He does. When we're in the midst of a trial, we always ask ourselves, why? Why, why is this taking place? Before the trial starts, we know that you know, Christians go through trials. After the trial is over, we're relieved that we're, we're past that and we're, we're past the trial, right? It might be some time later that we understand. We might not ever understand, truly understand why we were in the trial, but God knows, amen? And God always delivers us through trials. The second thing he wants us to know is this. God knows how to keep the unrighteous in a state of punishment until their day of judgment. This is kind of confusing. But as I thought about it, 
I've seen it. I've seen it. Have you ever seen a person who, I mean, they, they might have everything. They might have everything. But they're absolutely miserable. I mean, they, they have everything. They, they, you know, they've, they've inherited some money from their great-grandfather's uncle's cousin's best friend. They, I mean, they have everything, big house, big car, big air, but they're miserable. They're absolutely miserable. Life is miserable. Steve, every time you ask them, how are you doing today? Well, I'm getting by. I'm making it. I mean, they, they live in a state of misery. L listen to this again, second thing Peter says. God knows how to keep the unrighteous in a state of punishment until their day of judgment. In a state of misery. They're alive, but there's nothing living inside of them. It's like a walking corpse on this earth, filled with misery. Brother Kyle, that's, that's, kind of, that's sad. Well, yeah. I mean, apart from the joy of God and the love of God, that's what you are. You might think that you're, oh, well, I, you know, I don't need God. Yes, you do. To experience true love, true peace, true joy, you have to have the experience of God. Amen? And if you're not, you're a walking zombie. The third thing Peter tells us with this, these last two verses is this. God knows how to handle those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. Now, the polluting desires of the flesh, polluting desires. What, what is he talking about? Polluting desires of the flesh. Well, when you think of the word polluting, I, I think of like a, a stream, a mountain stream in the mountains of North Carolina. You, you, you go up there to the source of the stream, at the very source where the, the water is bubbling out of the, the, just a hole in the ground and starts the stream, you can sit there and it's the most pure water. It's absolutely, it's delicious, right? But if you go just a mile or two down the stream, it goes by houses and businesses and along the roadside and, and it goes, goes by, you know, plants. And I, you go down there and you, you pick a scoop of water up and it might taste just as good. But if you look at it closely a microscope that same water just a mile away is now polluted with microorganisms that can absolutely totally kill you same water supply right looks the same now, now listen again god knows how to handle those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority well, what's he talking about here i could give a list after list after list but what, what he's talking about here is sins that entice others to sin with you, to pollute you. What can we learn from this message tonight, church? We can remember and recall the message that with just two little words. You know what those two little words are? Say it, Becky. Oh, well, we just cannot fix some people and we need to be resolved that their evil activities and attitudes do not go unseen by God. Too, too many times we as Christians, we meddle in God's affairs and we try to fix people that cannot be fixed. Listen, please be careful. Be careful, Christian. Be careful that you not meddle in something that God's already got His hand alone. Be careful that you don't go in there and try to, to, to use your righteousness, which is nothing, to, to fix somebody who can't be fixed. Our prayers don't go unseen by God. 
They will be dealt with in God's time. The second thing we need to see is that God hears the pleas of His own. Do not ever feel like God does not love you and hear you. Peter's trying to tell them, listen, I understand what y'all are going through. I know that y'all feel like y'all are being tormented, but let me take you back to the Old Testament times. Y'all haven't seen anything? God dealt with them. He's going to deal with this as well. Be patient and let God be God. Amen? Let's all stand, head bowed and eyes closed. Father, we love you and we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank, thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, we pray that you would be with us right now during this time of invitation. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody here who just needs to spend some time with you, they'll free the, feel the freedom of the Holy Spirit and just come down here and cry out to you. In Jesus' name, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come?